Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and we've, for three weeks now, we have been going through Ephesians, and today is the fourth week. And how much have we've covered already? But I am excited uh, to go through today. We're going to be actually looking at verses 11 through 14 of chapter 1 in Ephesians. So we have gone through the introduction, a brief intro to Ephesians. We've talked about Paul being an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, meaning that Paul did not appoint himself as an apostle or anything of that sort, but instead Christ Jesus, he's the one that appointed Paul to be the apostle or an apostle for who? For the Gentiles. And then later we talked about the spiritual blessings that we have in the heavenly places. We talked about how this praise begins with praise be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So praise the Father. And then we looked at verse 7 and on about the Son saying, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of His grace. So again, now this is a praise to the Son. And now we're going to be reading verses 11 through 14, and we're going to be digging in and understanding now or realizing that now this praise is being brought to the Holy Spirit. So this is a triune worship of God. So let's let's go ahead and read. Let's read verses 11 through 14 and dig more deeper. It says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Again, there is so much in there, and I hope that we can get through verses 11 through 14, because there is just so much. It's really, it's rich in theology, meaning the study of God, meaning this is what it is all about. It's about God and how can we know him better? Well, Paul is now explaining the why we are praising God. And we read that, right? The last part of verse 14, to the praise of his glory. And we will talk about that later. But let's let's begin in verse 11. Let's reread 11 and dig in. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. So let's stop there. So in him. Again, we are greeted with the understanding, the beginnings of our spiritual blessings, right? 
he begins the letter by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So that means that all of this can only happen if you are in Christ, or as it says in verse 11, in him. So in him what? It says, in him we have obtained. So we have obtained just simply means that we have possession of it. We have obtained. It's in our possession now, but it happened when we believed. Because that's where he is going to get to. He's going to get to the point of us believing. And that's how we receive this inheritance. But this all only happens by the grace of God. Meaning it begins with God. So we looked at in him, which is Christ, we have obtained, meaning that we have possession of it, and it happened in past tense because it says obtained. It doesn't say we will obtain. It says we have obtained. And then what? What did we obtain as believers? Here he says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. So inheritance could convey the meaning that believers are God's inheritance. Right? So we are God's inheritance. And where I get the idea is Deuteronomy 4.20. What does it say? It says, But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. So God had this remnant of people that he will call his own, his inheritance. But this inheritance could also convey the meaning that we have or we will receive an inheritance. So in the future tense, so in the future when Christ returns, that is when we will receive this inheritance. And where do I get that? Well, 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 4 and what 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 4 says is this, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here it is. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And what is this inheritance? Well, it says that it will be revealed. And it says this in verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So salvation is this inheritance. And here it could convey that meaning. But also if we read in Romans, another Pauline letter, it says this in verse 16 of chapter 8. It says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So this inheritance begins when we are made as God's children. And whenever we are God's children or children of God, we become heirs of God. We inherit what is God's. And it says fellow heirs with Christ. So whatever is Christ, it is ours. So this conveys the meaning that what do we inherit? Well, according to that passage, according to what is being conveyed here, just about everything. Even scripture tells us that the blessed will inherit the earth. So it conveys this meaning, this understanding that this inheritance is ours and it's ours because we are co-heirs with Christ. When we are adopted into God's family, we now become a part of this heirness, if 
that is a word. We understand that this inheritance because ours because we are in Christ, which is why he begins in verse 11, again, in saying, in him we have obtained inheritance. So let's, let's continue reading. It says, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Well, a little bit before that, it says, having, pre, having been predestined, according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, having been, past tense, predestined. Now, what is predestined? What is predestination, right? Sometimes this is a word that could be a trigger word. And this word, predestination, basically is a word that is used to signify God's foreordaining and here of all events of the of world history, right? So past, present, and future. Scripturally, this word is identified to God's decision, right? That began when? Before anything was created. Before Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So before that, this predestination began. This for ordaining of events began. That means God is sovereign. God is in control of everything and even all things that have been created, all things that God is doing and using uh, for his purpose, right? So the reason why we were all created is for his purpose. It says, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, of God, who works all things, not some things or a few things or most of the things. It says all things according to what? According to the counsel of his will. The counsel of his will. What is it talking about there? It's talking about this counsel comes from God and God alone. He did not consult with anybody because he doesn't have to. He is God. Right? He replies with, I am who I am. Moses asked God, what shall I tell them who you are? And God replies with, I am who I am. Jesus also uses this I am and applies it to himself, saying that he is the I am. Even before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. So... This foreknowledge, right? So this predestination is, you could also say election, right? God's choosing. So the question might arise, so on what basis is God doing this? Is it a, he is learning the future and figuring out all the possible ways and then he sees that Sally decides to follow Christ, therefore God will save Sally. No. No, that is backwards because that doesn't make God sovereign. That actually makes man sovereign because man over in that instance, man overrules God's choosing because he only does whatever man will do. And it, that's not how it works. God is God. He's been God forever. Eternity past to eternity future. God is God. And Romans 8.29, what does Romans 8.29 say? Romans 8.29 speaks about this foreknowledge, right? It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined 
to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Right. So for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. For those whom he has chosen, he has predestined those whom he chose or elected to be predestined. Predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. Those who are in the world does not want God, hate God, is actually running away from God, according to Romans 3. God changes their hearts, right? When we pray and we pray for someone's salvation, we ask God to do something within them. We ask God to give them a new heart. And the reason why we do that is because God is the only one that can change someone's heart. We are dead. We can't change our own hearts. We're already dead. We can't move. So this is a beautiful thing to learn about God, that he has predestined us. He foreordained all events of the world, past, present, and future. And by doing so, he brings about salvation of all of those whom he has chosen. So that is the basis of which he chooses us because none of us deserve eternal life. None of us deserve anything of this inheritance. Instead, God changes our hearts and re helps us recognize that we are dead in our sins and we need saving. And we, need, we ask God to forgive us of our sins. And then scripture tells us that God casts our sins as far as the east is to the west. That means forever that way on one side and then we are forever the other way on that side. So... That is what this foreknown or this choosing, right? It means for love or for a point. But it, it does not express the idea of a spectator's anticipation of what will spontaneously happen. So it, it's not just like a, oh, Sally's going to believe in me, so I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to choose her and save her. No. Actually, God chooses, and because God has chosen Sally to be saved, he's going to save her, right? Because we understand that we are naturally dead in sin, right? Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him, given us the ability to come to Christ. None can come to Christ, Right, John six forty four, John six sixty five. Um, sinners, us, right? Sinners only choose God or Christ only because God chose us before the foundations of the world. So that's how it works. That's how it's done, and that's how God does what He does. So this is a beautiful thing, and we should praise God for changing us, and we should pray so that God may change the hearts of all of those whom he has elected or, or called according to his purpose. You see, we don't know who is saved and who is not saved. We don't know who will know Christ or will not know Christ. Only God does. But God works through all that has been created. It says he works all things according to the purpose of his will. So let's continue. Let's continue. It says this in verse 12. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So who is the we here? Paul says, 
so that we who were the first to hope in Christ. So Paul is actually speaking about the Jews. He's including himself by saying we. And he says in verses 11 and 12, right? Paul is including himself in the we because Paul is recalling back to the first who believed in Christ, the remnant of the Jews, right? To be part of the true Israel. And that's where, where we, do we get that understanding? Well, Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 speaks about this, about the true Jews. And it says this in verse 28. It says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter, his praise, not from man, but from God. So here it's talking about the true Jews, and who is a true Jew? Well, one who is circumcised of the heart. How is that done? It says a little bit after that, it is done by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. So God himself does a work within us, circumcises our hearts, and causes us to be part of the true Jews. And in doing so, we can now praise God and worship God. And this is how Paul is worshiping and praising God. It's because he is doing it in spirit and in truth. And not only that, is because his heart was changed. His heart was circumcised. And it says, not by the letter. So... Still looking at Romans chapter 2, uh, verse 29, it says, Circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. What is the letter? Well, that is following the law, following the, these rules. And if you follow these completely and perfectly, you will be saved. But the problem is we are all dead in our sins and trespasses, which is why we need Christ. So now having received Christ, we now... Because we believe in Christ, we believe in him and what he has done on the cross, we now are included. We now recognize that we have been set apart. We have been circumcised of the heart because the Holy Spirit indwells us. And that's what Paul is later going to talk about in the verses to come. So, why? It says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be, might be to what? to the praise of his glory. The purpose of all of them believing in Christ is for God's glory. So he's now he's speaking about the Jews and he's including himself in that. And then we get to verse 13, in him you. So now he shifts it. So so it's the Jews. Now he's pointing to the Gentiles in verse 13. He's saying now you Right. So now the Gentiles are being included when Paul shifts his wording from we to you. Right. So it begins with hearing. Right. Hearing what it says in him. Also, when you heard the word of truth. What is the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. So Paul references the gospel as the word of truth. And I love that. Paul in Romans also says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. How are we saved? It's through the gospel, through the truth and the understanding who we are and who God is. And in light of that, God shining a light on us and showing 
our impurities, showing our dirtiness before him because we have sinned against him. God says, my son's blood will wash you clean. Right? Jesus tells us, all who wants to be his disciples must do what? You must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. So denying yourself, that means we do not matter anymore. All that matters is God and him being known in the world. And that's our call. That's our duties, right, to be the salt of the world, salt and light of the world, right? Light is not meant to be hidden under a basket, but instead it's meant to be set on a hill, it's meant to shine, right? Kind of like a lighthouse. You don't build a light ho- lighthouse five feet high in the air. No, you want that tower to go as high as possible so that when you turn on that light and it spins, now those who are in the ocean can find the lighthouse and f- realize there is land over there. So that is the purpose of being a light because light dispels darkness. Darkness flees when there is light. So that is the idea. And in here it says, in him, verse 13, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So first is the hearing the word of truth. First is hearing, second comes believing, right? Believing what you just heard, which is what is true. What is true? Well, it's the gospel. Not only that, it says the gospel of your salvation. So this is what saves the gospel. And believed in him. So again, now there's believing. There's hearing, then believing, and then what? It says, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So you hear, you believe, you receive. What do you receive? You receive God himself, the Holy Spirit. And what is the purpose of receiving the Holy Spirit, right? What does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do to us? He convicts us of sin. He doesn't allow us to walk in sin anymore. Instead, we are uneasy whenever we stumble and we fall into sin. The Holy Spirit convicts us and moves us to repentance. We repent and we come to God and ask him for forgiveness. And we will receive that forgiveness. We just have to humble ourselves. We have to come to God. No matter how exposed we are, we come to him and say, God, forgive me. And he is ready. He's always ready to forgive. You just come to him. And in verse 14, what does verse 14 say? It says, Who is the guarantee of our, our inheritance? So this inheritance we were talking about in verse 11. Now the Holy Spirit is the guarantee, right? We are sealed. It says, And believed in him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So this sealing, right? This sealing is this idea that we are stamped by God. And God is saying, you are mine. And this is a seal that is unbreakable. No one can break it. This is a kind of seal that you show your possession of. And God is showing that we are possessed by the Lord. We 
are in possession of him. God says, you are mine. So he seals us with this Holy Spirit, with his Holy Spirit. And what this Holy Spirit does is, right, convicts us of our sins. Here it says, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So it's kind of like the down payment of what is ours or what is God's per se. And it says here that who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. That means it's, it's not in our hands yet, but it will be ours because it says until we acquire possession of it. And again, for what? To the praise of his glory. So all of this, Paul is getting to, this is to the praise of his glory. Praise God that he causes us to come to him. Praise God that he changes us and changes our desires because now he reveals to us what is ours. And he tells us that everything is ours when we are in Christ. We are fellow heirs with Christ, it says. We are adopted into God's family. What higher privilege than to praise God like the way Paul is doing in chapter 1 of Ephesians? So I would say, search your hearts. Are you in Christ? Because if you are in Christ, I would say all of this that has been explained and talked about is yours. But if you are not in Christ, none of this pertains to you. That is the sad thing to learn. And if you have not believed in Christ, if you have not believed in this gospel, I would say believe on it. God's word tells us that today is the day of salvation. That means you who are listening to this and have not repented from your sin, sins, meaning you have not turned away from what defiles you and come to God who actually cleanses you, right? You turn your back on sin, you turn to God. Repentance is no longer doing what detests God or God detests and then now you do exactly what God commands us. We desire better things. We desire the good things. See, we desire to do what is right. We desire what God desires. Right? We used to desire sin. We used to love and swim in it. But now, because of this Holy Spirit who is with us always... Right? Jesus says, I will be with you even to the end of the age. That means this Holy Spirit that is with us, God is forever going to be with us. And I'd say, repent and believe on the gospel, this gospel that Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the grave in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus is ascended and now he is at the right hand of God. Jesus has authority over all creation in heaven and on earth. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I would say, come to him and he will save you. So, reread Ephesians, reread chapter 1 and recognize what God has done. 
through his son, what God has done and what he has revealed, right? Paul tells us it's a, it's a mystery, but this mystery is now revealed to us. And what is this mystery? It's to unite all things in heaven and on earth. That's what, it, that's what God is doing. He is fixing what has been broken since the fall. Right? He's cleaning things up. He is sanctifying everything. He's sanctifying us to be more and more like Christ, to be Christ-like. So, yeah, I would say think about these things, pray to God, and ask him to give you an understanding of his word. Um, and I thank you for listening. Uh, this was a uh, beautiful unraveling. I, I loved studying on this and I loved explaining of what we have in Christ, of the, the spiritual blessings that are in this, on in the heavenly places, as it says. And I would just say, praise God, as Paul is doing. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero. <laughs>